Welcome to the Think Anesthesia Veterinary Continuing Education Podcast. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Martinez, board certified specialist in veterinary anesthesia and analgesia and U.S. Director of Technical Services at Jurox Animal Health Incorporated. This podcast is race approved for continuing education for veterinarians and veterinary technicians and nurses. Please visit the podcast description at www.thinkanesthesia.education for more information on how to complete the requirements to obtain your CE certificate for this podcast. The content of this podcast represents the best in evidence-based and peer-reviewed medicine. Some content may be the opinion of Jurox Incorporated, a subsidiary of Jurox Proprietary Limited and its technical services department. As a matter of full disclosure, I need to tell you that I am an employee of Jurox Incorporated. Jurox manufactures, markets, and sells Alfaxin Multidose and Alfaxin Multidose IDX in the USA. Jurox also markets and sells Zolotil for injection for Furback US. Full prescribing information for these three products can be found at www.jurox.com US. The World Health Organization has called global climate change the greatest threat to global health in the 21st century. Globally, 4.6% of greenhouse gas emissions is attributed to human health care. In the United States, human health care is responsible for 10% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. In this episode, we will discuss strategies to reduce the environmental impact of our activities in the surgical suite as we strive for sustainability. But before we begin, it is important to remember that patient safety is our top priority over any monetary or environmental considerations as we develop and implement an anesthetic plan. Let's start by looking at the environmental costs of our actions and ways to mitigate their impact as much as possible. There are several ways we can achieve these goals. First, we'll focus on how we can limit greenhouse gas emissions due to anesthesia. Inhalant anesthetics undergo very little in vivo metabolism. They are exhaled and vented to the atmosphere using the anesthesia machine's waste anesthetic gas scavenging system. The overall contribution of inhalant anesthetics to healthcare's greenhouse gas emissions was estimated at 2% by England's National Health Service. In veterinary medicine, inhalant anesthetics are used every day. All commonly used inhalant anesthetics used in human and veterinary medicine are greenhouse gases, but some are worse than others. The standard unit used to compare the impact of various molecules have on climate is the 20-year global warming potential, or GWP-20. It is a measure of how much a given mass of greenhouse gas contributes to global warming within a 20-year time frame. The 20-year time frame was chosen when comparing inhalant anesthetics because it is twice as long as the longest atmospheric lifetime of the commonly used inhalants, which is approximately 10 years for desflurane. The lifetime of isoflurane is 3.6 years, and the lifetime of sevoflurane is 1.2 years. The higher the GWP20 number, the greater the impact on climate. It is a scale that compares a gas to that of the same mass of carbon dioxide, Therefore, carbon dioxide has a GWP20 value of 1. For comparison, nitrous oxide is 289, sevoflurane is 349, isoflurane is 1,401, and desflurane is 3,714. Desflurane is an inhalant anesthetic that has limited use in veterinary medicine. But to put it into perspective, delivering desflurane at 1 liter fresh gas flow for 1 hour is 13 times worse than delivering sevoflurane for one hour at two liters of fresh gas flow. 
it is estimated that a single hour of anesthesia using desflurane is similar to the emissions produced from driving 230 miles in a gas-powered automobile. Because of the environmental impact, along with its higher cost, there is an effort to reduce the use of desflurane in human medicine. While nitrous oxide has the lowest GWP-20, it has the longest lifetime, 114 years. Therefore, to reduce its environmental impact, it is best to avoid the use of nitrous oxide unless there is strong clinical reason to include it in your anesthetic plan. Waste anesthetic gas disposal systems are designed to collect and dispose of inhalant anesthetics from the anesthesia machine and breathing circuit. The primary goal of a scavenging system is to minimize exposure of surgical suite personnel to waste anesthetic gases. Acute exposure to high concentrations of waste inhalant anesthetic gases may cause headaches, lightheadedness, irritability, or fatigue. While chronic exposure to nitrous oxide and older halogenated inhalants have been linked to fertility issues and cancer, health risks from long-term exposure to isoflurane or sevoflurane has not been fully evaluated. Therefore, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration recommends that exposure be kept to a minimum. The best way to limit personnel exposure to waste anesthetic gases is to have a functional scavenging system. Realizing that most of these systems dispose of waste gases by venting them directly to the atmosphere, we should strive to minimize the amount of waste anesthetic gases produced. One way to minimize the environmental impact of delivering inhalant anesthetics is to avoid unnecessarily high fresh gas flows. But this raises the question about what is the optimal fresh gas flow rate that has the lowest environmental impact? Unfortunately, this has not been determined, so best practice is to use the lowest possible fresh gas flow rate that is appropriate for the specific patient. One scavenging method available is a charcoal absorber that is used to capture waste anesthetic gases from the breathing circuit. It is important to know that this method does not permanently remove the gas. Over time, the gas will diffuse into the atmosphere, so unfortunately, they do not prevent emission. To help you determine the carbon emissions of your inhalant anesthetic choices, check out the free Anesthesia Carbon Calculator in the Gassing Greener app developed by Yale University's Department of Anesthesiology. Another consideration when maintaining anesthesia with an inhalant gas and a rebreathing system is the environmental impact of the use of carbon dioxide absorbance. Reducing fresh gas flow rates increases the requirement for carbon dioxide absorbent that has its own carbon footprint due to disposal, transportation, and landfill costs. Disposal of used carbon dioxide absorbent is determined by the end user in compliance with federal, state, provincial, and local regulations. To mitigate the environmental impact of carbon dioxide absorbent disposal, you should strive to change the absorbent in the canister on the anesthesia machine only when necessary. Depending on the manufacturer, recommended time for replacement of the absorbent can be from 6 to 14 hours of use or sooner if it is determined that the absorbent has become exhausted, meaning that it has already undergone reaction with carbon dioxide and is no longer capable of further absorption. A common question is how do you determine if the carbon dioxide absorbent is functional or if it has become exhausted? Unfortunately, there is not a simple answer to this question. Several factors impact how quickly the carbon dioxide absorbent becomes exhausted. These include the size of the absorbent canister, fresh gas flow, the duration of the anesthesia procedures, and patient size and metabolic rate. The best way to be sure that all carbon dioxide is being removed from the breathing system is to use capnometry to measure inspired carbon dioxide. 
During the inspiratory phase of respiration, there should be no carbon dioxide if the absorbent is functional. For those of you that do not have capnometry, you can evaluate heat production and color change of the carbon dioxide absorbent to help you determine when the absorbent is exhausted. However, it is important to remember that color change alone to indicate exhaustion is not reliable because the color may revert back to the original color following a period of disuse. Heat is produced during carbon dioxide absorption, so the canister may feel warm to the touch. Unfortunately, there is no way to know how much capacity for carbon dioxide absorption is left, but if there is no heat produced during an anesthetic procedure, the absorbent may be exhausted. When using a non-rebreathing system, carbon dioxide absorbents are not used. Instead, fresh gas flow is responsible for the elimination of carbon dioxide from the system. Use capnometry to determine if the rate of fresh gas flow is high enough to prevent inspired carbon dioxide. An emerging area of innovation is the development of systems that avoid release of waste anesthetic gas into the environment. These systems capture exhaled anesthetic gas by either filtration or a vacuum pump, which is then processed and sold back into the market for reuse as a generic, recycled anesthetic that could be sold for a significantly lower price. In early 2020, a company in Canada that offers inhalant anesthetic recycling services to human hospitals announced approval from Health Canada for its generic recycled desflurane. Now, something you can do starting today is to properly maintain and service your anesthetic equipment, including the machine, vaporizer, and breathing systems. Utilizing a safety checklist, the anesthetic machine and breathing system should be checked for correct function, and absence of leaks before every patient is anesthetized. Also, be sure there are no leaks from inadequate endotracheal tube cup inflation or cracks in capnograph or anesthetic gas sampling lines. One way to reduce or eliminate the use of inhalant anesthetics is to implement total intravenous anesthesia, or TIVA, which was presented in detail in Episode 5, Anesthesia Maintenance Drugs. TIVA generally involves a loading or induction dose followed by maintenance with the aim of sustaining a constant plasma concentration of a drug. Anesthesia can be maintained by intermittent bolus or by constant rate infusion. Alfaxalone and propofol are both labeled for maintenance of anesthesia in the U.S. and other countries. The individual prescribing information should be referred to for doses and duration of maintenance of anesthesia. Alfaxalone and propofol produce unconsciousness and muscle relaxation, but no analgesia. Therefore, appropriate pain relief should be provided at the time of premedication and throughout the maintenance and recovery periods. Other inhalant max-bearing techniques include the administration of a constant rate infusion of analgesic drugs, such as opioids, ketamine, lidocaine, and alpha-2 agonists. We must remember that while the use of injectable analgesic and anesthetic drugs reduce inhalant anesthetic requirement, the drugs will exert an environmental impact as a result of manufacture, transport, the equipment and supplies needed to administer them, and the disposal of unused drug. However, one published study found that the impact of propofol is nearly four orders of magnitude lower than that of desflurane or nitrous oxide, and primarily stems from the energy needed to operate the syringe pump. We already recognize that the use of local regional anesthesia as an important component of a multimodal analgesia pain management plan will improve the patient's experience, but it can also provide another beneficial outcome. The use of local regional anesthetic techniques are effective at either reducing or eliminating the need for an inhalant anesthetic. Although not all surgical procedures are candidates for regional anesthesia, 
neuroaxial or peripheral nerve blocks, along with intravenous sedation or anesthesia, will reduce anesthetic waste gas emission. In 2020, a real-life example in human medicine was published in the journal Regional Anesthesia and Pain Management. By avoiding the use of inhaled anesthetics in 96% of patients undergoing total knee or hip arthroplasties in 2019, the hospital saved the equivalent of 60,500 miles driven by an average passenger vehicle. When developing an individualized anesthetic plan for your patients, be mindful of what local regional anesthetic technique is appropriate for the procedure being performed. Seek out continuing education opportunities to become more comfortable and confident with various techniques. Reduce medical equipment and supply waste by familiarizing yourself with what is recyclable in your surgical suite. Also, learn about the environmental impact of disposable single-use items compared to the toxicity and disposal of cleaning solutions and the energy expenditure of the sterilization process. You may be surprised at what you can collect for recycling, such as vial caps, other small plastic items, IV fluid bags and administration sets, and suction tubing. Look for that resin identification code, a set of symbols that appears on plastic products to help you determine which items are recyclable. Even something as simple as switching to reusable sharps containers and making sure that only sharps are placed in those containers can make a difference. Remember that empty drug or saline vials are not biohazardous and should not be placed in the sharps container. Batteries can also be recycled, and when possible, use certified sustainable electronics recycling vendor to dispose of old equipment or request vendors take back old equipment for refurbishment and donation. In 2019, results from a pilot study were published in the Journal of Neurosurgery. The study looked at a group's efforts to recycle blue wrap, the number five plastic polypropylene material that is commonly used in surgical suites to wrap surgical instruments in packs for sterilization. Blue wrap can be baled and sold to recyclers where the material is pelletized and transformed into plastic products. While only focusing on the neurosurgery department in this pilot program, the authors concluded that implementation of their program across the main hospital would reduce the environmental footprint, yield $5,000 in revenue annually, and have saved nearly $200,000 in cost avoidance that would have been incurred for disposal. Discarding of leftover or unused drug into the environmental waste stream can be toxic to biological systems. In human medicine, propofol is the costliest drug wasted and the worst for the environment. Because it does not degrade, accumulates in fat, is toxic to aquatic organisms, and requires incineration to be fully destroyed. Reducing energy waste in the surgical suite is another way to reduce your environmental impact. This can be accomplished by turning off operating room lights and equipment when not in use. One human hospital started a power down initiative to turn off all anesthesia and OR lights and equipment not in use that resulted in saving $33,000 and reduced over 200 metric tons of carbon dioxide emissions per year. It benefits us to better understand the environmental consequences of our actions during the peri-anesthetic period and to use this information to minimize the negative impacts while maintaining high standards for safe patient care. While clinical conditions dictate patient care, Waste reduction can be achieved using the mantra, avoid, reduce, reuse, recycle, and reprocess to maximize environmental sustainability without altering patient safety. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Anesthesia Veterinary Continuing Education podcast series brought to you by Jurox Animal Health. Jurox is committed to improving the quality of anesthesia globally. As a part of this commitment, we have produced a series of race-approved CE content. 
be sure to visit thinkanesthesia.education for a listing of CE material, including podcasts. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Martinez, and remember, when you think anesthesia, think Jurox.